welcome to the Impact Masters Commission Bible Study Podcast. Join us as we study the Bible verse by verse. I'm your host, Pastor Josh Hawkins. We're going to have some deep, thoughtful, and hopefully helpful discussions to try and discover together what it means to be the followers of Jesus. If I bought something expensive, there's no question that I bought it at like Marshalls or TJ Maxx or someplace like that. Because I won't even step foot in Von Mar. Although they do have a good clearance section. Well, hey, you got to have your, uh, you know, your. Standards. <laughs> Why are you raising your hand? I have a question. Yeah. Have you ever heard of uh, Random Nautica? No. It's an app that you uh, can't I tell you. Uh, so there's an app that like went crazy on the App Store or whatever. Like, yeah. It got really popular. Uh, basically, what you do is you like answer. Like, they have like a couple of things that you can pick or whatever, and it'll give you a location on your on your like maps or whatever and you drive to that location to try and find like random stuff um we've had no luck so far when we've tried it but like people post youtube videos all the time of them doing it and they find like some really creepy stuff and uh yeah it's it's really creepy but i also just feel like some of it is placed because they're youtubers and you know they're trying to get views or whatever and so they just plant stuff in these locations that the thing gives them and you know what I'm saying, but yeah. it's really weird because there's like news reports or whatever of people finding some really creepy things and people going missing. That sounds fascinating. I don't even know how what to say about that. Like, so so you just go yep. to yep. wherever this thing tells you to go. When yes. we went, it kept telling us to go to like neighborhoods and stuff. So like we went and we and. A couple of us walked behind somebody's backyard, some in somebody's backyard at late at night. It wasn't in the backyard. We're, we're, we're more smart than that. It was in like this open, muddy field, and it was a waste of time. Okay. <laughs> uh, trying to pull up my notes. My computer was completely dead, and so I decided to bring this instead and it's not it's not being nice to me um can i like do you like pugs do i like what pugs not in particular i'm not an animal person really that's okay as long as you're not an animal person but if you're like i'm a dog person but i don't like pugs then you have problems there are people that are like that that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me no, I'm not. I don't know. I'm just not an animal person. I don't. I never really have been. Um, 
especially dogs. I, I don't understand. I don't, I mean, is it, I do, but it's, but not, but not just, just when my children run amok. No, what I don't understand, our dog is a, a really great dog. She's the best dog I've ever, you know, been close enough to know if they're good or not. You know what I mean? So she like never, ever barks. She's very calm. She's, you know, does what she's told. So I appreciate her very much. And, you know, she is a member of my household. So I'm, you know, supposed to keep her safe. Right. Um, uh, but like the, 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 the impulse people have to own pets does not make sense to me. It, it just doesn't make sense to me because like, uh, I, I understand that like a horse that does work for you on the farm or a dog that does work or cats that cats that kill mice and, or a cow that makes milk. You know, it's a, I understand livestock. I don't really understand pets. Dogs, they just make me so happy. Well, what about, the, well, what about dogs that like herd sheep for people on a farm? Like a dog that actually have a... Right. Yeah. Animals with jobs make sense to me. But just an animal, especially animals that are, are extremely unhealthy and... You know, I don't understand guinea pigs. I don't, I don't, goldfish? I don't understand goldfish. I don't, I don't know why people decide they want a captive animal in to share their home with them. So and, you don't understand people who want like iguanas or snakes? Because I've always wanted an iguana ever since I was little. I always thought iguanas were the cutest animal. That is an interesting perspective. I, I would never have considered an iguana anything but pretty ugly. But... Good for you, man. I don't have a. I don't. I. I. I just don't have. A, I don't have that. I, I just don't have that. So I don't really understand it. Okay, we're gonna go to Matthew chapter five. Um, need to make some progress on this because. We have been just slogging through slowly. I've never gone this slowly through the Sermon on the Mount before with a group. I'm enjoying it. Are you enjoying it is the question. Um, is, it, is this helpful teaching for you? Because we could do anything. I think this is the most important thing for every Christian to learn, and I, my guess is that most of you have not spent much time with it, which is why I always begin here, because most Christians that came from the same kind of places that I came from do not have a great connection with the Sermon on the Mount, so that's why I always go there. But I'm looking for feedback. Shall we continue forward, or are there other areas of study? Do not talk to me about Nephilim that, that, we, that we need to pursue. I, I kind of had a question on something, but I mean, I could probably just talk to you afterwards. No, shoot. Uh, so I was talking to one of my buddies last night, and uh, 
he kind of sent me some scripture to back it up and stuff, and I can't find anything, I guess, to disagree with it, but I guess I kind of view, I don't know, I don't know if it's like a personal opinion, but I guess just like, what's your opinion on like a female pastor, like a leader sure. pastor? Right. Yeah. Um, I don't have any issue with female pastors. Right. Jesus had women in in high places in his ministry. The Apostle Paul worked with women. It's entirely possible the book of Hebrews was written by a woman. Um, and that was, that's all with incredible cultural pushback on women in places of authority in Jesus and Paul's time. So if they were willing to, they if they were willing to uh, brave the pushback to put women in places of authority in their ministries, then I personally don't have an issue with it. Um, there are a couple verses that talk about where the Apostle Paul says things like, I don't allow women to have authority over men, or I don't allow women to speak in public. Most Bible scholars for a long time would say that these were cultural issues that had to do with that church in particular um, and with the kind of, you know, the, with the culture of the time and not meant to be universal instructions for the church for all time. It was Pastor Paul talking to that particular congregation about what works in that particular congregation. Now, there are definitely people Definitely, definitely people who um, tend to, who, who would disagree with me on that completely. <laughs> um, because they, you know, that they would say that, no, Paul was, Paul was absolutely uh, making, making rules for the church for forever, that that was, that the Apostle Paul was, was saying that that's how things should go. And those those people are usually called complementarians, okay? And their argument is that both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Bible seems to lay out different jobs for men and women. And in their point of view, one of the jobs for men is to lead. That's where we get ideas like the man is the priest of the home, etc. I do not think that there's a whole lot of biblical... I just don't agree with their interpretation of those particular scriptures. Okay. I don't. Yeah, I guess like my biggest thing is I just didn't know... Because like, I'm not the most you know, educate, educated with my Bible, so I just wasn't sure how to like respond back to that. Because like, he told me he's like, never heard like a solid biblical on and, on like why women could be pastors so he was just like curious yeah i mean the the best the, there doesn't seem to be um uh, other than that one conversation of paul's mm -hmm. which he didn't have that conversation in other letters it was just in that one uh around women and leadership and whatever uh, there doesn't, there isn't a clear teaching that women shouldn't be. And Jesus, and Paul's, 
also says things like, in the kingdom there is no longer Jew, nor Greek, nor slave, nor free, nor male, nor female. So it doesn't really make sense that he would say that and also say this, that people, because people shouldn't be treated differently because of their gender, because of their nationality, because of their ethnicity, etc. These should, we should all be one and afforded the same opportunity to operate in a, in a particular sphere. So Paul doesn't seem to have uh, an overall issue. And plus then we see things like he regularly lurked, worked with Priscilla and Aquila. And Priscilla is always named first, which means she was foremost of the pair, which means she was probably the teacher, probably the leader of that particular couple. Um, and then Jesus had multiple women that were at a high level in his, in his uh, uh, organization that, that helped to support him, etc. Now, there aren't any women named as apostles. Um, but again, that may have just been a... I don't know that a female apostle would have been accepted by the culture of Jesus' time. So I don't see that as Jesus saying that we that women shouldn't be in leadership. I just see Jesus operating within the construct uh, that he existed in. If he had had women go out and preach, women weren't even allowed to testify in court. Okay, but at the same time, the it was the women who went to the tomb that were the first witnesses of Jesus' resurrection, and that's in the Gospels, which were written less than 100 years after Jesus' life. Uh, the Gospels wouldn't have done that <laughs> unless they had a high view of, of female uh, authority. Yeah? Um, I just think, I don't know, like what I'm thinking is that, like, in the Bible it says, like, make disciples of all nations. Yes. Yeah. So, like, in my mind, like, I'm not sure, like, women, like, it's okay for them to be, like, and, and like youth pastors, the pastors, stuff like that, because like when you're teaching or leading somebody, you need to be discipling them. Like right now, I'm discipling us. Right. Uh, and so like I feel like anytime you teach, you're discipling. And so I don't think that like the well, yeah, I don't think the Bible is saying that there are women. Right. You don't think women are exempt from the Great Commission? In other words. Yes. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. And so. Yeah, there's going to be, there's hot debate on both sides, personally, especially when I go back to Genesis 1, okay, and I see, okay, Adam and Eve, okay, the way the Bible talks about that is that she was taken from his side, right, okay, and that, that was purposefully to show her not as... An, not as being subservient to him, but as being on a partner with him, that she's been given the same authority, the same position as Adam. And there were later Jewish traditions, etc., that changed things. And then English translations, with didn't, which didn't help, like, for instance, refer to her as the helpmate of the man, which is not an accurate translation at all. In fact, the word we translate as helpmate or helper 
is used of God many times in scripture. So it does not, even though to us, like if, oh, I'm your helper, that feels almost subservient, right? Does that make sense? Like, well, you're doing the job, but I'm helping you. Makes me, makes it feel like you're in charge, but I'm, and, and I'm under you. Um, but that is not, can we say that of God? That God, that, that I'm in charge, but God's helping me? No, we can't. And so because of that, you know, that we can't, we can't use that language to put women in a subservient place. So I think there have been some longstanding, deeply unhelpful uh, ideas around the difference, differences between men and women that people say came from Scripture but didn't. They were imposed upon Scripture by the culture that was interpreting it. And I actually think there's great Scripture arguments against it. But yeah, because I just, like, I agree women should be taught to too. I just didn't have, I guess, I didn't know much about sure. it biblically. Yeah. Well, and if you look at the history of the Assemblies of God, there have been some powerful female leaders in the Assemblies through the years. Um, really, really, some, some of the, I mean, like the lady that, uh, this church that we're sitting in now um, was uh, formed of the merging of two smaller Pentecostal churches. One of them was led by a woman. So, yeah. Yeah, if you're looking for complementarians, you don't have to look far in the Baptist church to find them. Uh, that, that a lot of Baptists are people that would say that men and women have different jobs and it doesn't make us, diff doesn't make us unequal, just separate. Boy, I've heard that somewhere before, separate but equal. Hmm. Didn't work out very well. Uh, <laughs> so That's what they used to say about black people and white people. Separate but equal. That was a court ruling that was made. Um, I mean, I probably could have guessed. That was the kind of laws that they used to segregate black and white people. Yeah. Exactly. We're not okay with that. So that was your Black History Month moment for the day, right? It's, it's Black History Month this month. That was your Black History Month moment of the day. That even the courts said things like separate but equal, and which continued. It, they, it was never, ever equal. It just never, ever was. Anytime it was separate, white people got all the good stuff and black people got taken advantage of. Always. Surprise, surprise. Okay, so where did we land last time? I think we finished um, the vows. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And then we, I think that is where we ended. Is that accurate? Thank you very much. Well, let's pray. Unless you have any further is it, My pleasure. Is, was, can you speak? Was this all on recording? Yep. Because wow. I was just going to have him listen to Yeah, and if you want, we can. I can dig into it and pull out those scriptures in particular, and we can talk through that kind of stuff at another time. I just not that's, haven't. That's I, just I haven't prepared that. for that. <laughs> well, that'd be fine too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. I, I, I. There is a way of reading certain scriptures no, that. Yeah, there's definitely a way of reading cer certain scriptures that would make it seem like that's what, that's what the Bible's saying. But you have to come to the 
text with that in your head. It doesn't come right from the text. So, but the Bible has been used for 2,000 years as justification for a lot of really horrible things. That's why Jesus has to be our interpretive lens. Okay, if it doesn't look like Jesus, then it's then we're interpreting the Bible wrong. Okay, slavery was uh, pe people used the Bible to to say that slavery was okay. Right. Uh, people have used the Bible to say lots of things. People used the Bible to say that eliminating the Native Americans was okay. Okay, so uh, there's been a million and one ways the Bible has been twisted to serve man's purpose rather than turning us to serve God's purpose. Uh, and that's why we need, we need an interpretive lens that is healthier than that. We need to not just say, well, the Bible says, and so that settles it. That's not enough. We need to be able to read the Bible correctly. And the way we do that is by understanding the character and nature of Jesus Christ and letting that inform our reading of Scripture because God will never not act like himself. Does that make sense? And Jesus told us, and then the author of the Hebrews, who might have been Priscilla, by the way, told us that Jesus perfectly reveals the nature of the Father. That was the very first thing that we talked about this year. Jesus perfectly reveals the nature of the Father. When you read certain scriptures, you can take a bunch of different interpretations from one, from one or two or even several scriptures. But if they don't match, if what you're saying that scripture says about God does not match Jesus and what how Jesus is portrayed, then we can't, we have to go back and we need to reinterpret that portion of Scripture. Does that make sense? Okay, we're reading it wrong if God doesn't look like Jesus. If we don't have that, then we can do whatever we want with Scripture and feel justified all day long for doing horrible things because the Bible said I could. That, no, 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 that's not how this works. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity once again to spend time in your word. Lord Jesus, beautiful, wonderful Lord Jesus, I ask right now that you would speak to our hearts. That you would plow up the fallow ground of our hearts and that you would plant the incorruptible seed of your word within us so that it might grow up as a harvest of righteousness for your name's sake. Yes, he sings in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to start with verse 43 of Matthew chapter 5. And maybe we'll, what, was there a question? No. Okay. What? That's all right. Okay. I'm just checking on you. All right, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be the sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect 
as your heavenly Father is perfect. Oof. Oof. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. This teaching right here. Oh, my gosh. This teaching right here radically separates the teaching of Jesus from almost every other religion on the planet. Okay? There are some very specific Christian um, Christian teachings that, that no other religion before it ever taught. Okay? Now, there have been some since then, but we might just say they were just riffing on Jesus, right? This is one of them. Love of enemy is so contrary to our flesh. It is so contrary to, to natural human uh, behavior. And, and I'll tell you this, guys. Mo, I, do you know how many times I've gotten into arguments with Christians over this portion of Scripture? When I see people that purport to be Christ followers hating their enemies and feeling justified by doing so because they are righteous and their enemies are unrighteous. Okay? I just I point to the scripture and they give me all the reasons why I'm wrong. They give me all the reasons why that person's evil and they deserve me to not love them. They deserve me to treat them as subhuman. They deserve to have their rights and, and, and whatever taken away because they're this or they're that, or you don't stand for this, do you? And I get that kind of crap all the time because people are just trying to not do what Jesus told us we were supposed to do, namely, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Because that's what the Father does. Jesus even points this back to the Father and says the reason you should do it is because it's what the Father does. But people have serious issues with this. Christians have serious issues with this. And let me say this to you right now, okay? Controversial statement alert. When you hear people hating enemies and resisting love of enemy, what you've just done is exposed idolatry. Okay? All right. What I mean by that is this. If someone is hating an enemy, whatever they name as the reason that they are justified for hating that enemy, that is an idol in their life. Okay? okay, I'm going to give you a for instance. Okay, okay. All right. Um, in the midst of all of these partisan, uh, crazy uh, uh, political things that have gone on in the last several months, I hear a lot of Christians hating enemies. A lot. I hear a lot of Christians saying horrifying things about other human beings. Hey, 
I hear a lot of Christians saying belittling, unloving, unkind, uncaring things about people who are on the opposite end of whatever political spectrum they're on. And when I call them on it and say, hey, Jesus told us to love our enemies, they get furious with me. They tell me I'm wrong, that I shouldn't love this person because A, B, C, D, E. Usually, okay, here's, here's the, three, the, 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 the two things that I hear the most. I shouldn't love that person because they support abortion and because they have a different opinion about human sexuality than I do. Those are the two things, okay, that that people on both sides of the of these issues, yeah. both Republican and Democrat, both conservative and liberal. I have I have seen people on both sides be that name the name of Jesus. Hey, by the way, there are people on both sides that name the name of Jesus. Just going to say that out loud. I know I'm not allowed to say that. I know that's against the rules. That To think that it's possible that a Democrat could be a Jesus follower, that a man who has gone to church his entire life before he was ever even in politics, namely President Biden, because he is pro-choice, is obviously not a Christian. Give me a break. You don't get to decide who, who is a Jesus follower and who is not. Jesus gets to decide that, okay? Not you. And I don't care if they disagree with you. There was a whole lot of people that stood in line to say that President Trump was not a Christ follower. Okay, and there was a whole lot of people defending him as well. Yes, ma'am. What I'm saying is when someone tells you they should not love their enemies because of blank, whatever that blank is, is an idol in their life because they are choosing to disobey Christ in order to obey this ideal, whatever it might be. Yes. Yes. And love him because yes. that's what we're called to do as Christians. Amen. God doesn't have a political party. Right. And um, they're like, well, I've had some people say, well, um, we are called to respect their position, but just because they stand for, like you said, abortion or still homosexuality, said the Bible actually says we don't have to respect them because that's an abomination to God. And I was like, I, and when you said they do that because to justify their reason for not loving them. Right. That, and that's an idol in their life to how they make it good. I was like, yeah. to say that, yeah. Let me give you another example from my own life. Okay, this is a, one, this is a place where an idol was exposed in my life. All right, and it's not, it's not political. I was in Mexico City, and I was with the, with, I was at the YWAM missions base in Mexico City. Spending a week teaching on the Father Heart of God, which was a blast, by the way. I did that a couple times. I had a great time both times. And 
we just uh, uh, during the week we went on a walk down to the red light district of Mexico City where the brothels are where the prostitutes are because we were inviting them to come to a party that we were throwing for them to tell them about the love of Jesus right and I'm walking around because I don't speak a word of Spanish I was really just prayer support for that and uh, I'm I'm there and meeting with these folks and 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 I'm praying for the ones who are talking to the ladies because I don't speak any English any Spanish and uh, and I'm watching this and I'm watching these women and I'm getting angrier and angrier, not at the prostitutes, but at the pimps who are standing 20, 30 feet away watching every single thing that happens. These men who are holding these women in sexual slavery who had trafficked them, etc. And I was getting angrier and angrier at them. And I was wanting, they were sleazy slime bag guys standing over there, you know, watching everything we did because you know, they don't know what's going to happen with us and them, and are we interrupting their business, etc. And one of the things they had told us was we couldn't spend too much time talking to anybody because uh, they would be physically abused by their pimps if they spent too much time talking to someone that was not going to make any money for them. So um, I was furious. By the time we left that area, I was so angry and so upset with these sick, twisted individuals that spent their days profiting off the sexual slavery of women. I just, I was furious. And as I walked around the corner, the Holy Spirit says, I want you to start praying for those pimps. And I was like, what? <laughs> and the Holy Spirit said, I love them too. It was a serious check in my spirit. Because here, these men are, are committing absolute atrocities. They are involved in human trafficking. They are evil, evil, evil people. But the Holy Spirit is saying, I want you to love them because I love them. Does that mean I approve of what they're doing? No, I don't approve of what they're doing. Does that mean that what they're doing is okay and that Jesus is just like, oh, it's fine. No, Jesus is, is also furious at the things that they have done. But Jesus longs for their redemption. Jesus came into the world to save people who are broken, and that is who they are, broken people. And he would offer them redemption if they would repent. You look like you have something to say. And that was really hard for me. And so I was trying to find ways to pray for them that I could pray, honestly. Lord, I hope they don't die of... Oh, a flesh-eating virus. <laughs> Does that make sense? Jesus was teaching me to love my enemy. 
And this man wasn't even my enemy. It was the enemy of these women. So Jesus would even ask those prostitutes to love them. Now let me clarify. Does that mean that they should stay in sexual slavery? No. Does that mean that they should be okay with the kind of abuse and mistreatment that comes from these men? No. Does that mean that they should continue in some kind of relationship with that person? No. But should they wish for that person's harm and destruction? No. Do we pray that evil schemes be undone? Absolutely we do. But do we pray that people be fatally harmed or even non-fatally harmed? The answer is also no. How can I say that I am loving a person? How can I say that I'm loving a person and also at the same time wish them harm? I'd say that's the opposite of love. Now, this is a, this is a difficult thing that has to be wrestled with. Because evil exists. And people have done terrible things. And sometimes terrible things have to happen to stop people from doing terrible things. What do you mean by that? I mean sometimes it's necessary for there to be violent action to stop a violent person. That is sometimes a necessity, yeah. 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 Or I wish for violence, but then you just said sometimes violence is necessary. It is. I don't know. I okay, let me give you a for let me give you an example, okay? Because this because this stuff is only can only exist in real life. I idea uh, having having a high set of ideals is not helpful sometimes when it comes to flesh and blood people. Okay? I am a person that believes in nonviolence. I believe Jesus taught nonviolence. I don't believe Christians should be involved in warfare. I don't, that's just my personal opinion. I understand if people have a different opinion than I do, but that's where I stand. Okay, so I'm not talking about nation versus nation kind of violent issues. But even in that, we have to recognize that sometimes people with power are wanting to do wrong things. And because we live in a broken world, sometimes the only way to stop them, I would say we try everything else possible, but at the end of the day, we may have to resort to force. That's just reality. I don't see that there's any way around it. If someone broke in to my home and was trying to harm one of my children, Okay, would I take violent action to stop them? Yes. Would I be seeking to kill that person? No. We need to use the smallest amount of force possible that also ends violent action. Does that make sense? Okay, I, there may not be another way. 
Now, if it's possible for us to get away, we would choose get away. If, it, if, if it's possible for us to choose talk him out of it, we would choose talk him out of it. If it's possible to choose a nonviolent option, that's what we would choose. And if it was just me, like if it's just me we're talking about here, I don't know that I would inflict, I, I mean, I, would, I don't know that I would inflict harm on a person. But if we're talking about a person that's going to be inflicting harm on people that cannot help, cannot fight for themselves and have no other choices, then I do think that they're, that it's justified. Do I think that that is the right, the, the best thing to do? Obviously not, but we're not dealing with an ideal situation here. We're dealing with real life. Does that make sense? Yeah. I would love to say no violence ever at any time, but that's not the world we live in. And there will be a day when that's exactly, when Jesus is the king of the earth, love will be the law of the land and violence will cease to exist. That is the prophecy. That is what the Bible says. They'll beat their swords into plowshares and the nation will no longer learn war anymore. That is the ultimate vision of Jesus' kingdom is that human will not be violent against human ever again. That is what we're pushing for. That's what we're longing for. Now, I want to say one more thing about that, okay? Even in, okay, if I am responding to a person who is a physical threat against me or against someone that in my vicinity, doesn't even have to be someone I know or someone I care about, just someone near me or someone in you know, someone where I can act. I have to act out of love for both the person I'm protecting and the person I'm protecting them from. So whatever I'm doing needs to be loving for both groups of people. But there's definitely been times when I've had to pick my kids up and wrap them up so that they don't go and do something that's going to, to hurt them. Does this make sense? Yeah. Talk to me about your unease. Tell me your viewpoint. Right. And, like, I do get, in some cases, like, violence is necessary, like, hard love. Um, but not just general, like, if your kid keeps on, like, blowing their money and stuff, and then you see the bill pay, you're not just going to keep on paying the bill. Right. Yes. Right. I am, I am deeply committed to nonviolent answers to as many questions as humanly possible. But I'm also aware of the world in which we live. And there are times when there is no other choice.
obviously, they always mess up, mess up things happen. But I think that I don't know. I think that eventually people can do violent things, whatever. Like they're gonna have consequences. Consequences. Right. Because it's like um, I don't remember where, but like Newport and Joe. Um, yeah. No, you're very correct. You're, no, you're very, of course they will. Of course they will. But that doesn't, I, I'm just, I, and I think the line is going to be in different places for everyone. But I think that there is, it's, it's always going to be a wrestle and it's always on a case-by-case -case basis. There can't be hard and fast rules about this. There can't. Which is why Jesus doesn't give us hard and fast rules. Jesus says, love your neighbor and love your enemy. When we're living in that spot, then we can make righteous choices. When I genuinely love the person who is opposed to me, then I'm going to make choices that are for their benefit and not for their destruction. And honestly... Stopping someone from murdering someone else is for their benefit. For the murderer or for the for both? For both. I'm not, I'm not just going like, to let someone like, kill my kids. Well, that's what I'm talking about. But, yeah, but like, I think, yeah, but I also just don't want to cause harm on that person. Right. If there's a way to stop them without harming them, that is obviously what we should choose. So are you talking, but if there is not a way, Okay. So are you talking that like best use like the not if there's a way to not use violence, that's what Jesus advocates and wants yeah. us to advocate as Christians. So yes. are you saying that like if someone is trying to kill kill one of your kids and you have to shoot them, shooting them is not in their best and not in the murderer's best interest and your kids have just seen someone get shot, so it's not even when you talk about in each other's best interest. I'm saying whatever we do, whatever action we take should be loving both to the perpetrator and to the victim. Yeah, go ahead. So I think that, I think that love is, is crazy because I think obviously if, okay, so I'm at home with my children and my wife and this dude comes in and his intention is to like shoot my family or something yeah. like that. Right. I feel like it's all of a sudden, and I'm not going to automatically automatically think that I hate this guy. Right. Like, I just don't know if that's something that's going to cross my mind. And, like, the action of me, like, I think violence doesn't necessarily mean, necessarily mean love, but I don't think it always means hate either. Because in my mind, I'm doing it to protect, like, people that I love. Right. And, like, in a way, I'm protecting him from not killing them right. because, like, doing that through love. And, like, I'm not going to, I don't want to kill him. Like, obviously, if I could, like, sh maybe shoot his leg or something <laughs> after I've tried all the other steps. But sometimes you don't have time to try other steps because they just come in guns. That's down. what I'm talking about. Right. And That's, so I just think that, like... We live in a real world. This is not... And But I will say this. Can I... I let me say this. Okay. Um, spiritual practice is about making us ready for moments when we don't have time to think it through. Yeah. Okay. So me learning to love my enemy every day in the way that I speak, in the way that I pray, as Jesus talks about, pray for your enemies, in the way that I 
think about them when I read something they wrote online. Okay, practicing love for enemy in those moments is going to change the way that I react in the moment, like the one that you just mentioned. Because my muscle memory, my, my, my emotional, spiritual muscle memory is going to be radically different. Yeah. And that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, make, make it a habit of loving enemy. Because there's going to be a day when you won't have time to think. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I get it. And that's what, that's what spiritual practice is all about. Because we can, we can analyze forever specific situations and how would we respond in those specific right. situations. But none of those situations are probably ever going to happen to any of us. Right. My issue is, if we prepare ourselves to kill, I don't see that as loving enemy. I see that as the opposite. I agree. So what are you spending time building in your heart? The ability to end an enemy or the ability to love an enemy? And that's the question. And as a follower of Jesus, I understand that this way of thinking is radically different than the way of our nation. Okay, the civil religion of the United States of America, we say we don't have one, but we do, and it is the worship of America. It exists. We, the, the way it's been talked about a lot lately is called Christian nationalism. Um, but there is, America is, is a religious system. And everybody in this room has been indoctrinated. And if you don't believe me, go to a baseball game and see what happens when the national anthem gets played. There's more respect for the national anthem than there is for a hymn or a prayer or... Like when the national anthem plays, you, I will, you, I'm sure we all have been told, raised that you stand up, you take your gum out, you take your hat off, or somewhere like that. Yeah. 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 Those are religious responses. We, we, we'll, we'll spend some real time talking about this sometime, some other time. I'm not saying we disrespect this country. I love this country with all my heart. I'm so glad to be an American, truly. But I refuse to worship it. We'll not worship the United States of America. And the civil religion of the United States of America worships Mars and Mammon, war and money. Okay? It's the truth. If you don't believe it, then you need to do some praying and thinking about what I've said. Our culture bows down at the altar of war and money. Don't we have one of the biggest militaries? By far, by many multiples of any other nation in the world. We spend something like 20 times more money on the military than the next nation in line. Like, say, take, take how much China spends on the military and how much the United States spends on the military, and you're going to see we spend 20 times more than China. That's just real. Those are just actual numbers. If you're okay with that and you're like, yes, that's how it should be, then whatever, we can have a conversation about that. 
but I'm just telling you the truth. Okay. They could use that money to actually help people in this country. Well, you know, we're not going to go there. There's a lot of people that would say that that money does help people in this country because war and, you know, building planes and tanks and guns and ammo, etc. There's a lot of people that that's how they make their living is by building those things. And so uh, spending that money does help people in the United States. Okay. But we're going we're gonna to continue forward. If we are a people that are seeking to love our neighbor, why are we so heavily armed? There's more guns in the United States than there are people in the United States. It's true. Maybe the answer, maybe the answer to that is, at least for me, just spitballing here, is it like, um, is it like, I love you and all, but I'm not going to let you take advantage of me, so like, here's my block, so. Right. I mean. We are also a gun culture. And I don't, I'm not saying guns in and of themselves are evil in any way, shape, or form. It's fine. It's fine. Jesus doesn't look at guns and say gross. But I mean, I, I, I think it speaks loudly. And I will say this, the rest of the world wonders why we have so many guns. That's the truth. We were talking about the UK. When they think of America, they think that's where you go to get shot. It's true. That's how they feel. Go ask any British person. How do you feel about... Because in their country, guns are, la are largely outlawed. What, what do you mean by outlawed? Do you mean like the government doesn't allow them to have guns? or They, they really aren't supposed to own guns. Now they have, like, they can hunt and things like that, but, yeah. it's, but most guns are outlawed. I don't know about all the rules. but. Yeah. 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 Which that, that's not a that's not a bad decision because that keeps people from. Oh, you better be careful. <laughs> better better be careful, buddy. Okay. You better you better you better be careful about that. To say to he said that he said that it was it's not a bad decision to outlaw handguns, and I personally agree with you, but. But I, but there's a whole lot of people, including most of my family, that would have a real problem with what you just said. So, uh, uh, <laughs> that, like, I don't know. I don't really have a stance. Like, I don't really care, to be honest. It's just not something that I think is too important. It doesn't bug me. Jesus told us to love our enemies. Um, yeah, that, I mean, the gun part. I, like, I, I want to love my enemies. I, I want to love my enemies right before I shoot them. That's not, that doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't make like, sense I'll, to me. I'll love you, like, America's like, I'll love you right in the middle of my gun sight. Yeah. That's, <laughs> all right. So, and he says that Jesus admits, Jesus admits. Now, I want you to think about the culture that Jesus is speaking into. We've got five minutes left. I want you to think for a minute about the culture Jesus is speaking into. He is speaking to a country that is being violently ruled over by another country. The people he is speaking to are not free. They do not have rights. They may not own weapons. They're not allowed to own weapons. They are controlled by Rome. 
they're anytime there is an uprising to try and get rid of Rome, they are brutally, brutally crushed. Jesus himself is about to be brutally killed because people are claiming that he stands up against the Roman government. Okay? That shouldn't weaken my argument. That should strengthen my argument. Because Jesus was talking about Romans. He was saying that we should love our oppressors. And if you think that me telling you to love your enemies now, and hinting around that that might mean if you're a Republican loving Democrats, if you think that's offensive, go tell someone who's being violently ruled over that they need to love the people who are violently ruling over them. And think how offensive that must be. For them? For us saying it? For the people we're saying it to? Yes. Can you imagine how they must have felt about Jesus saying, love your enemies? In the midst of that kind of a culture? And people get mad at me for suggesting that maybe they shouldn't be carrying around multiple weapons. Jesus is saying to them, you know these guys that routinely beat people for next to no reason in the streets? You know, these guys that have taken away every human right that you've ever had? You know, these guys that regularly rape young Jewish women? You need to care about them. So if you think I'm controversial, Jesus was speaking into a culture where loving your enemies meant something truly radical. And he knew it, too. Father, we, we need help with this. We need help to apply it to our lives. We need help to deal with our own emotions around these issues, these subjects. Holy Spirit, we can't, we can't love our enemies without your help. That's just the truth. We ask for grace, O oh God, to obey in Jesus' name. All right, we're going to do a practice right now. Are you ready? Everybody close your eyes. Okay. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to bring an enemy of yours into your mind. Holy Spirit, show me someone I deem an enemy. See them, see them as real human people, maybe people that actually wish to do you harm. And I want you to pray for their good. Ask the Lord to bless them. Ask the Lord to do good things for them. And not, do not pray at this time that 
God teach them to be nicer to me. That's not what that's not what I'm talking about. Ask the Holy Spirit to stir care and love for that person in your heart. Pray the the most loving prayer you're capable of praying for them. Jesus, the only reason that I'm saved is because at the right time you died for me while I was still your enemy. While I had no respect or love for you, while I had no desire to honor you or to follow you, you died for me. Jesus, teach me to be like my Father in heaven. Show kindness and love to every human being, regardless of how they feel about me. Regardless of how they feel about the things that I love. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, we finished Matthew chapter 5. Believe it or not, isn't that exciting? That little exercise that we did at the end is an exercise that I engage in on a regular basis because I need to. Because I need to. I, I, I need to learn to love my enemies because Jesus told me to. So I would invite you to do that every once in a while. First of all, it's good for the Holy Spirit to reveal to you who you think your enemies are. Sometimes you don't know that right off the top of your head. And then practicing loving them. Amen. All right. That's all I got for you today. It's 1130. God bless you. Have an awesome day.